Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with me, Susie Chase. Hi, my name is Sandy Gerson, and I am the author of Mexican Ice Cream, Beloved Recipes and Stories. So nice meeting you a few weeks ago at your book release party here in the city at your shop La New Yorkina. Start off with a brief history of Mexican ice cream. Well, it was really nice to, to meet you as well, and uh, I was excited that you were able to come. Uh, well, the, the story of uh, Mexican ice cream really dates back to pre-Hispanic times. You know, they say the first, not ice cream per se, but frozen treats were uh, made by gathering the snow or ice on top of the, these two volcanoes that are near Mexico City called the Iztaccíhuatl and Popocatépetl. And so they would carry them down and, um, you know, they had different uh, materials to make sure it didn't melt. You know, they created sort of layers of, um, you know, kind of burlap. They would, they would hold it in, in these, yeah, kind of like boxes that they made. They would bring it down and um, they would mash up uh, fruits because they're very abundant in Mexico and they would pour them on top and sometimes they were sweetened with natural honeys from insects or plants. So those were sort of the earliest uh, um, recorded uh, ice cream sort of concoctions that we have in Mexico. Where are you from in Mexico and what kind of ice cream did you grow up with? Uh, I'm from Mexico City, and, um, you know, in Mexico City, you grow up, I grew up with sort of both worlds, you know, like the traditional Mexican ice cream that is still made in many places today, uh, which is called Nieve de Garrafa, which is made by hand. It's a hand-pedaled ice cream with a, a cylinder that is inside a wooden barrel with ice and uh, salt um, surrounding it. So, but those were more, you know, like when we went out to little towns or certain areas of Mexico City. But, you know, there were just traditional ice cream parlors um, and a lot of paleterias, you know, which are paleta shops with Mexican ice pots uh, that they also had um, ice cream and sorbet. So tell us the story of how you and your Aunt Alex went on your trek outside of Mexico City to find incredible ice cream. So I was in Mexico and uh, I was waiting for my visa, uh, for one of my working visas. And I really wanted to find out about Mexican desserts, not, not specifically ice cream at the time. And uh, one of my aunts, who's a teacher, heard from a friend of hers that there's a little town in the outskirts of Mexico City that sells that was famous for ice cream. And I was like, what do you mean? I, I got... <laughs> the, the how do you say the short end of the stick <laughs> growing up here nobody told me there was an ice cream town so we went uh, my sister my aunt Alex and I headed out to this area they didn't have a specific address or anything and we kept asking you know people and after a couple of hours we finally got there um, and it wasn't uh, there is in the area I had uh, there are uh, a lot of ice cream vendors, but that particular place that we found was actually, it's not really a town. It's in the middle of two towns in a highway, and it was about four, maybe three or four blocks long of these um, wooden barrels, um, you know, sort of side by side. 
that uh, that that had the most amazing flavors and they had these colorful signs and in Mexico a lot of the people could come up with their own names for for you know sort of mixes that are very poetic or very uh funny you know like because it, it entices the the customer do you remember the first flavor you ever had out there I remember this particular one, which was the uh, Tres Leches ice cream. That was really amazing. But the way that they made it is by uh, blending this this dessert that we call uh, Chongo Zamoranos, and uh, which is a curd, sweetened curd, like uh, milk curds. They're made in syrup. And so they told me that that's how they made it. And, uh, you know, they told me that they they went through the process and they used raw milk and that um, they picked, uh, you know, a lot of the fruit from, from their surroundings. Now, I don't know if, you know, half of this is true (laughs) and half of it was just like a selling point, but I can tell you the whole experience definitely changed my, my life and changed my career. And we also had a uh, Maria cookies ice cream. And I actually tend to be more of a sorbet, um, uh, person, but so we had a lot of sorbet as well. But between the three of us, I think we must have had about at least like 20 flavors that we tried. <laughs> At that time, you were a pastry chef, right? Yes. Uh, that, at that time, I was waiting for my visa to, uh, to work at Rosa Mexicano, and that was actually my first job as a pastry chef. So I guess I was a pastry chef in the making. So was this when you figured out ice cream was your passion on this trip? It wasn't uh, that ice cream was my passion, but it was more that um, it was, I I realized that there were so many, that there must be so many stories like this uh, all around Mexico, people making amazing things, which I knew, but you kind of take it for granted because in Mexico you see these amazing people all around, whether it's making uh, specific breads or confections. And so that's where sort of, I would say my, you know, I kept thinking about, uh, you know, there's so many stories and so many amazing people and treats that are all around. Um, And so that was more than specifically ice cream. It was that, but ice cream was definitely the the turning point. I found that Mexican ice cream's texture is, is thicker than... American ice cream, kind of similar to gelato. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, Mexican ice cream is uh, much more similar to gelato. Uh, So it has less fat than American ice cream, and it has less air. So in a way, it's thicker, as you say, like in the mouth, but it's not denser. It's it's sort of uh, the way it melts in in your mouth. It it doesn't coat sort of the, the back of it. And uh, and it's really about, uh, for the most part, about the, the main flavor, you know? So it's not so much about all of these mix-ins and, you know, if it's strawberry, it's like it celebrates the main ingredients. Now in modern times, there are, you know, of course, like people are a little bit more playful, but you will go all around Mexico and you will find, you know, people looking for a very specific, you know, whether it's a pineapple or tamarind, or, you know, uh, queso fresco, 
And uh, so, and I think that that's very similar to how gelato is. You know, you rarely find gelato with, you know, mix-ins. And uh, I think that, that it's uh, fascinating. After I had some of your tamarind chili sorbet, I realized that I have never had quality sorbet. It, that was really the most interesting sorbet I've ever had. Can you describe the flavor profile? Of tamarind sorbet? Or yes, <laughs> the, your tamarind chili oh. sorbet. You can probably explain oh, it better that. than I can. <laughs> well, tamarind is actually my favorite sort of sorbet or paleta. Like if I go to Mexico and I try go to a new place, that's always sort of like, you know how people are chocolate people or vanilla? Tamarind your tamarind? My, <laughs> my, my to-go flavor. So it's, um, you know, it's a bit sour, tangy, um, acidic you know, but it has this sort of deep earthiness to it at the same time. Um, it's definitely an acquired taste. It's not, uh, you know, but people that grew up in tropical uh, climates or, you know, people that come from countries like India and Thailand, it's their flavors that are very common to us, whether it's in, sort, you know, they're, they're used in savory and sweet preparation. So it's like a sweet and sour um, finish once it comes into to a sorbet. And then the chilies, we use uh, two different types of chilies. We use uh, arbol, which gives it, you know, the heat. It's quite spicy. And uh, But I don't like things to be spicy just for the sake of being spicy. You know, I think it needs to add uh, flavor. So we also use guajillo chili and, uh, and then a touch of piquín. So technically three, <laughs> but, um, and then a bit of salt to just bring it all together. Last night, I tried your blueberries and corn, your tres leche and horchata, which were all mm-hmm. amazing. <laughs> and I noticed that Thank you, have, you. you have hand paddle ice cream. Tell us about that. Yes. Uh, so first, I'm so excited you went to the store. So I hope you had a great time. And, um, you know, that hand-pedaled ice cream was the, the, the one that I was briefly um, describing before. It's called Nieve de Garrafa. And it's still a technique that is used uh, all around Mexico. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's incredible that even with modern um, equipment and everything, people prefer and they, you know, the... It's, it's kind of like uh, anything that's handmade has a very particular quality to it. And uh, even the technique of how they, they paddle it is a little bit different depending on where you go. But the main idea of having the bucket with the ice and um, for the most part in Mexico, they get humongous blocks of ice and then they chip it. Um, we try to do it in smaller um, amounts and we use uh, ice from a nice machine. But now that it's getting warmer, we're going to have to do that as well. And originally, I actually wanted to have an ice cream store that had only those kinds of, of ice cream, you know, because to me, they're really special. And um, But honestly, it's very difficult to, to do it here with, you know, how much it costs to make everything that way. And I don't think that we could sort of supply uh, unless I would charge, you know, an incredible amount <laughs> for, for all of those ice creams. So I wanted to make sure that we still had some flavor. So it's, uh, it's something that it, for people that know, get very excited about, and they see the barrels and they know 
they know what is inside. Uh, but that is also something that is not so easy to communicate to, to the customers, how special it is. It takes about, you know, anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour to make one uh, batch of ice cream, one cylinder. You do it by hand. We do it by hand. That seems so backbreaking. Like, you know, this way we get a workout. We can eat as much ice cream as we can, <laughs> <laughs> as we want, you know. Is it hard to procure authentic Mexican ingredients here in the city? Uh, there's certain ingredients that are, you know, increasingly easier to find, uh, you know, like hibiscus. Although sometimes you do get a hibiscus that they say is Mexican, but it comes from China and it just tastes a little bit different. Um, and, uh, but you can find a lot of chilies, a lot of, uh, you know, just a lot of uh, main ingredients. The hardest thing are the, is the fruits. Um, like you do find uh, very particular things in Mexico, like cactus leaves and um, I mean, cactus paddles and avocado leaf and things like that. But there's certain tropical fruits that it's still a little bit hard to get uh, or the ones that you get are not the best quality or they're frozen or they come to a puree. But I see that that is changing with time. And I'm always in the hunt for, uh, you know, how I can source, you know, that's that's the one thing I wish I could just you know, bring a whole truck every week of, of fresh produce, that of things that don't grow here. In the cookbook, you have a chapter devoted to modern and inventive takes on Mexican ice cream. You mentioned some crazy flavors like lettuce, shrimp, snake, chorizo, and even Viagra. Talk <laughs> a little bit about these. People are always trying to do things to stand out from the rest. Uh, and there is a yearly ice cream festival in this area uh, called Xochimilco in the outskirts of Mexico City. And that's very close to that little, um, you know, quote unquote town that I found. And the, the festival lasts about a week. And then people have from traditional flavors and then they have very wild flavors like the ones you described. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a way to entice and then not only in that festival, but in also in some towns where there's particularly where there's a lot of competition, you know, and then um, it's just, uh, I'm not going to say that they're always successful <laughs> or ever always tasty, but it's definitely um, very inventive. And, you know, I think in Mexican culture is very playful, you know, even in ice cream, even though it's like a serious craft, people don't take, take it themselves too seriously so you know you can see that reflected in the flavors but also in the names uh that a lot of these uh, ice creams have at your book release party i had such a nice conversation with your husband danny about uh your dinner at noma mexico he really knows food now how is he involved <laughs> in the ice cream business uh, he wears a lot of hats you know so he's First and foremost, he's like my, my biggest cheerleader and supporter. And then he, you know, makes all, uh, all the purchasing and, you know, it's my direct contact, like through to the kitchen, anything that I need to convey or goes in on a hunt for a specific, you know, I'll be, you know, saying, oh, I want to get, you know, some, you know, obscure fruit that I, I heard that is now available. So he helps me hunt it down. And then he also helps, helps me sort of 
ground me because I'll be like, oh, I want to do this and this and that. And he's like, you know, that's that might be too expensive or, you know, maybe you want to do this. So, <laughs> so it's, it's uh, you know, he, he helps me out in, in operations, but also bounce off ideas and just helps me run the, the company so that I'm allowed to sort of focus on the things that I feel I'm better at, which is, you know, more the creative side and the, you know, the research and the customer aspect. So before we wrap up, I want to mention Justin Walker, who did uh, photography for this cookbook, and he just won an American Photography Award for the image of your gorgeous spicy watermelon sorbet on page Mm -hmm. 124. That's so exciting. Yes, I was so excited. I didn't even know that um, that he had entered it, you know? And uh, so that was very exciting. Um, and we actually, I actually had two photographers in the book. So Justin, Justin and I have been friends for a long time and we've been wanting to, to work together. So I was very excited that, you know, we were able to, to finally do this project. And it was really amazing. And so he did all of the photographs that we took in, in, um, in New York, like that we stylized. But we really wanted to, I think it was really great because he brought a very uh, new perspective and we pushed, you know, I kept sort of pushing the boundaries when we were uh, organizing. I said, this is not your typical, um, you know, ice cream book. This has to transport you to Mexico and this has to be, you know, playful and fun and colorful. And that particular photo is one of my favorites. And then we had another photographer, um, Fernando Gomez Carvajal. He is a Mexican photographer, a food photographer from Mexico, because it was very important to me to capture, you know, the the people making it, the the people enjoying it, you know, sort of to, so the the idea of these two photographers working, even though they never met, they, it really, there was a, a beautiful synergy that happened that helped tell the story in my view, of of how incredibly diverse and interesting these ice creams are. Um, so, so yeah, you didn't get a chance to meet Fernando, but I hope that when he comes to visit New York, you get a chance to meet him as well. What's up next for you, and where can we find you in New York City, and where can we find you on the web? Um, I opened the um, La New Yorkina shop last um, October, so this is going to be our first summer so it's really about continuing to do very interesting things that you know I keep having in my mind that you know different things that are going to evolve within the store we're also opening a kiosk at after place and um, hopefully in the next uh, couple of weeks we've been waiting for a long time for electricity and permits and things like that and um we're going to be opening up a, in, in a market that is opening up. We're not allowed really to say yet uh, sort of the details, but it will be in Williamsburg. And uh, I'm starting to explore the possibility of uh, opening in the West Coast somewhere. But, you know, one thing at a time. And uh, for now, just, you know, really just continue sharing the sweetness of Mexico, which is my main purpose, and continue to do research and, you know, just to to share my love for, for my country. And give us your website. 
www.lamiorkina.com and that's spelled L-A, New York, spelled out I-N-A. Thanks, Fanny, for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Thank you so much. Subscribe in iTunes and follow me on Instagram at Cookery by the Book, on Twitter at I am Susie Chase. Thank you so much for listening to Cookery by the Book podcast.